fam, welcome to Zoe Church, wherever you happen to be joining us from. Glad to be with you here today. My name is Ruben, and I am privileged to be able to be here to be called your pastor. And listen, if you're at home, if you're in bed, if you're gathered around the TV watching this on Facebook, or listening to this later on, so glad that you are here. And today, I believe God has put a message on my heart, and I am so stoked to share it. We're going to pray together and then jump in to this passage of Scripture together. Jesus, thank you so much for those songs. Thank you so much for just the privilege to be able to be led into your presence through song, through those words poetically put together and sung and played to be able to lead our hearts into the place of worship, Jesus. Father God, we continue to worship you even now. Agreeing with what those songs stand for, what they say, what they, what they extol in you, O oh God. That Jesus, with you, there is authority. That even when, you know, things in our life don't necessarily seem to be working out, we know that when you have spoken, even one word, we can trust that. We know, Lord Jesus, a majority is one man or one woman on your side, and that's it, they win. So God, we praise you, Lord Jesus, we continue to praise you, that you are the great king, that there is no other person in royalty, in value, in worth that is greater than you, oh God that you would sit on the throne of our hearts, that you would be the one who leads us, who guides us. And so, Lord Jesus, even as we sing, as we learn, as we spend some time in your word, let it be all for your praise and glory as we praise you, Jesus. Even as we sit attentive, it's praise to you when we're willing to listen and willing to learn and, and have a heart of a student. It's really what a disciple is. And so Jesus, wherever people have to be joining us from, whether they're like, I believe in Jesus, yes, I do, and they're disciples, or whether they're like, I don't know about this Jesus thing, but I'm willing to listen. Father, meet us. Jesus, speak to us. Holy Spirit, move among us. I surrender my heart to you. I ask you to have your way today. In your holy and precious name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. As disciples of Jesus, uh, one of the questions that we come across at some point in our lives is this. How do we faithfully live as disciples to Jesus? How do we faithfully live in Jesus or in God's will? You ever asked that question? How do we live in a way that pleases God? How do we live in a way that doesn't hinder the favor and the blessings that God wants to give us? Because I don't know if you realize this or not, but sometimes we are our worst enemy. We stumble on things that we are doing, on things that we are saying, on things that we are thinking. And because of our own thoughts or actions, we in fact reject the blessings and the favor God wants for us so badly. 
In other words, the question that we are really asking today and what my sermon is really about today, the topic that we're going to be talking about is how do we live in God's favor? How do we live in God's favor? Because I know many of you have been asking this question, how do I get more blessings and find more favor with God? You know how you can identify that this is you, that you've been like really asking this question, by the way? That this has been one of the heavier things on your mind? Go to your prayer life for a second. You know, kind of go back in your, you know, thought process and the memory of what your prayers are like these days. And ask yourself this question, is a lot of bless me, bless me, keep me, keep me, give me, give me? Is that what your prayers are heavily filled with? Have you started to notice that, you know what, when's the last time I prayed for someone else? When's the last time I started thinking about somebody else? When's the last time? You, you, you know, that, that's a great way to start, like, just a little small step to assess what's going on internally with you and your relationship with God. And I have to be honest from the, from the, from the get-go. If you're just after blessings and if you are just after favor, you are not going to like what I have to say today about God's blessings and favor. Because the truth is this, and before you decide, you know what, this is not the message I want to hear, listen, listen, because this could change a life. If your goal is just to run after favor and blessings, the truth is you will never actually get favor and blessings. In fact, what you'll do is you'll feel the total opposite. You'll feel void. You'll feel, why am I always chasing after God? Why am I always trying to earn da, 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 da? Rather than being like, I I'm living in God's favor. The truth is that God's favor and blessings uh, aren't what we actually think they are most often. You know, we think it's about an easy way to life, don't we? We think it's about money, don't we? We think it's about the stuff that we have in life. When in fact, if you see throughout Scripture, the, the way God's favor and, and blessing come, it's not limited to that. Yet that's usually our sole focus. His favor and blessings, church, is so much more than things in this life. It's actually a lot more about your soul. It's a lot more about your eternal life. You listening? It's a lot more about salvation. It's a lot more about the immaterial impact that God is having in your life. And it's less about the material things that God can give you in this life. You know, it can definitely include the material things, but it's not exclusive to that. And that's usually not God's main focus. Go and walk throughout the scriptures and you'll find whenever God's giving someone favor and blessings, it has so much more to do with, ah, oh, they got a few more goats, they got a few more dollars in their bank account, they got a few more. It is a lot more about a person's heart than it is about a person's bank account. And we have to rewire our minds a little bit to think that way, to realize when we want God's favor and blessings, it is a lot deeper than the things we hold on to and a lot more about what's going on on the inside. Amen? And so if you're here today and you're like, you really want to know how to live in God's favor and blessings, like the true way to live in God's, God, I want your favor and blessings. I want your presence in my life. I want you to work in my life. I want to hear you speaking in my life. I want to experience living for you. I want to be able to serve you and grow as a disciple of yours. Today is the day that you need to be listening to and pay close attention. Because what we're going to do today is walk through 
this story of a man by the name of Samuel. In fact, the story that we're going to be uh, getting to is at this point, he's actually a young boy. But he grows up into being, in my opinion, one of the greatest prophets to have ever lived. And what we'll see throughout his life is that he was favored. He was blessed. God had his hand upon him. We're going to read it. And there was a reason to this. There was something that Samuel did. It wasn't by accident. And I want us to go there and kind of see what is it that we need to be doing in our lives to position ourselves to live in God's favor that he also wants us to have. So if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 3. It's in the Old Testament. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry. It's going to come up on the screen in a few moments. For those of us who are uh, believers in Jesus, let me leave you with this one piece and, and one example. Samuel's life is such a great example for us to follow as Jesus followers today, believe it or not. And so I am not going to walk through the entire story of Samuel, but I encourage you to read the, the book of 1 Samuel. Encourage you to watch his life, to see how God uses him, to see the things that he does. Because this is a person that God uses tremendously, and you can see God's hand on his life. So a little bit of history, a little bit of context before we actually jump into the uh, story, just to kind of set the scene a little bit. Israel, the nation, the chosen nation of God, are during the time of the judges. Now, if you're like, I don't really know what that means because I don't understand all the history and when that falls. Remember, you're like, I come to church, but I've never really been told when that is. That was before the time of the kings. That was before the time that Saul, that Israel became the first king. This was after the exodus. This was post-Moses. This was the time when they were entering into the promised land that had been promised to Abraham a while back, who was the first Israelite, if we can call them that. And now you have a chosen group of people living in the land that had been promised to them. But they were rebelling against God. They wanted nothing to do with God. And they kept going. I mean, the book of Judges is crazy and it actually documents what happens here. But it's like, it's such a clear depiction of, in fact, of what we are facing today and, and, and what we are going through today. Very interesting uh, book as well. But anyhow, we're in the time of the Judges when God is raising up prophets and judges, basically, to correct the nation of Israel who are walking away from God, who are getting distracted by the world's desires and the things that the world uh, wants. And during this time, basically the people of Israel were living in a lot of sin. Eli at this point was actually the high priest and the judge uh, at this time. And he was in fact uh, being a priest at Shiloh in the temple that was at Shiloh which if you don't know where that is, don't worry about it. It's just, he, was, he was a priest in a very you know, important location in all of Israel. But he had sons who were priests as well who were with him doing the priestly work, but they were terrible, terrible at doing priestly work. In fact, they were extremely corrupt, corrupted by the nation of Israel, corrupted by the people that they had living around them who were not of their own clan and people group. And so this was influencing who they worshipped. They were forsaking Yahweh, they were forsaking God, and they started going and worshiping idols and doing all sorts of things that God said, hey, this is not what leads you to holistic living and holy living. And so what you have then is switch uh, uh, scenes. Hannah, this mother who 
uh, not yet a mother, who can't actually give birth, who desires to give birth, who wants to have a son, makes a, makes, a, makes a vow to God, I will dedicate my child if you will bless me with a child. And Hannah ends up becoming Samuel's mom. And so Samuel was dedicated to God's temple, to God's work, because he was a miracle baby. Which is, by the way, where we get the importance of dedication, why we dedicate babies and why we say, God, we want to not only come in ourselves, but also this child into your hands so that they would grow up as yours. And so young Samuel was dedicated. In fact, Hannah, Samuel's mom, as a little you know, young kid, gave Samuel to Eli, who was the high priest at the time. He was a good judge, good prophet. And so Eli, old Eli, started raising Samuel in the temple. And that's where we enter the story. First Samuel chapter 3, verse 1, we're going to read a little bit, and um, then we'll open up and see what we find. This is what it says. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose sight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And so here you have God calling out, to Samuel, but Samuel's thinking, oh, this is Eli. Who else is in the temple with me? Yeah, let me go talk to Eli, my, you know, kind of mentor. But he said, Eli said, I didn't call you. Lie down again. Go back to sleep. I didn't call you, bro. So he went and laid down, and the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, uh, you, here I am. You, you, for, for you call me? You know, you can picture and be like, uh, did you call me this time? But he said, I did not call, my son. (laughs) Lie down again. Verse 7, now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. And the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, here I am for you called me. And then Eli perceived the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Eli recognized, hey, God is doing something in this boy's life right now. So gave him some words to follow. He's like, hey, go do this next time you hear that. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Verse 10, and the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, and here Samuel starts to hear what God has to say to him. Behold, I am about to do a new thing in Israel at which two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house and beginning, from, from beginning to end. And I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. 
Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. You can hear that there's a judgment coming on Eli, Samuel's mentor. And Samuel's a boy. Remember that, he's a young boy. Verse 15, Samuel lay until morning. Imagine those nights when you're like, oh man, you, know, you have something heavy on your heart and you can't go to sleep. Samuel lay until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and, and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, here I am. And Eli said, what, what was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. And Eli's just like, hey, stop. Don't hide things. Just, you know, tell me. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, this is Eli saying this, it is the Lord, let him do what seems good to him. Which is a whole other sermon, by the way, and a whole other topic. We're not even going to get to that. How Eli responds to something like this that God had spoken about his own flight. Anyhow, I'm not going to get into that. Verse 19, and Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. Somebody needs to highlight that. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh. For the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh for the word of, by the word of the Lord. So you see the situation where Samuel is serving God in his temple and you know, he starts to hear this voice, which is actually God's voice. Eli helps him to understand that. Then he hears this voice, but it's really hard to take in. He doesn't really, Samuel doesn't really, really even want to share what he heard to Eli, his mentor, right? It was more like a, an apprenticeship, you know, a priestly apprenticeship is really what, this, uh, what some commentators wrote about, which I found was interesting. And then Samuel shares and, and Eli responds, and then we see the blessing that came from God. In fact, if you go back to chapter 2, you'll actually notice that because of Eli's household, namely his sons, who were corrupt uh, priests who were in fact, you know, uh, 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 ruining and, 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 and corrupting what it looked like to approach God and the sacrifices that people were making. They were, you know, basically um, destroying God's house by the way they were acting and the things that they were doing and the position that they had. And because of that, God said something very unique in chapter 2. I don't have it pulled up, but, but you can go back and check. He, he goes, I am going to do something new. I'm going to raise up a prophet for myself. And I can't help but see that when he says, you know, the same thing here. That he's actually talking about Samuel. And in verse 19, he grew. And God didn't let any of the words that Samuel had spoken fall to the ground. It's like when Samuel spoke, there was power. And so what we can do is definitely conclude from a little snippet, and this is just the starting of his life. We don't even get to all the other amazing things that God uses Samuel for as an adult, as, as, as a grown prophet. Right now he's just an apprentice. We can conclude here through this narrative that God was with Samuel, that God favored Samuel. That God was leading him, was guiding him. And I'm not talking about financially, I'm not talking about an easy life. What I'm talking about is 
Samuel was able to hear God's voice. Samuel was able to, to, to lead people to God's presence. Samuel was, was able to speak as a prophet does. To bring God's word to a people who are not able to understand it and hear it. And when I look at that life of Samuel, when I see how it started, and I see all the different stories that go on all through 1 Samuel, I look and I'm like, man, that's how I want God to use me in my life. Right? As a disciple of Jesus, that's what I want for, for my own life. I want to follow in such an obedient way. I want to follow in this place of just surrendering and, 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 and seeking God's favor and living in his favor. The same way Samuel does. I want to follow the way Samuel grew and was used by God in this powerful way. And I believe for those of us who are listening too, we want that as well as disciples of him. And so the question is how do we receive this kind of provision from Jesus then today in our life, especially noting that the Holy Spirit lives within us. That when Jesus and the new covenant came, there's something unique that happened. That God himself makes his dwelling within us. That he is willing to speak to us and to use us and to, uh, and to just, you know, transform every part of our life if we allow him to. And so knowing that, the question that we have to ask as well, how do we receive this then? How do we live in God's favor? There are five things that I noticed from Samuel's life. Five things, unique things that I didn't see before until I was studying that I'm like, these are things that he did that actually set him up for success. Set him up so that God's favor was able to just freely flow on him so that literally a verse like that could be written about a man that God would not let any of his words fall to the ground. That's crazy. So if you have your paper and pen out, make sure to write these down because we are going to go by these fast. The first thing that I see is that Samuel positioned himself in God's house. The first thing that we have to do is ask ourselves, are we positioned in God's house? Are we placed in God's house? Do you find your belonging in God's house? The question I gotta ask you is, where are you planted? What church or community do you call yours? Where you serve, where you have your ministry, where you are growing, where you are pouring out and being poured into. Samuel literally lived in the temple. He was dedicated to God's work. Chapter 2 talks about how he was serving God faithfully. And because Samuel had positioned himself in God's house, that's where the blessings flowed from. Where he was able to focus his heart and focus his mind and focus his thoughts on what God's heart is and what God is doing. You know, many of us are positioned elsewhere. We're positioned in our own desires. We're positioned in our own houses, so to speak. Where we're like, we just want to like build our own little kingdom. We want to just build our own little nation. We want to just build our own little name. But Samuel, he was positioned in God's house. Here's my question for you. Are you investing back in your church? Do you spend time volunteering and being a part of the discipleship things that your church is doing? Whether it's here at Zoe Church or another church. How are you positioning yourself in the community of God, the ecclesia, the church? 
Are you encouraging? Are you sharpening each other as iron sharpens iron as a community? Or do you kind of disengage from that whole part? Well, the only time you're ever in God's house is online on Sundays. Can I encourage you, fam? Place yourself in God's house. Place yourself not just on Sundays but throughout the week. Spending time with God's people. Spending time serving God. Thinking about God in times of prayer. Position yourself the way Samuel positioned himself. In God's house. Number two, be attentive to God's words. You know, don't shut God off in your mind as if he doesn't speak anymore. Because notice, during that time, what, is this, what does the verse say? During the time of Samuel, right, it says that the word of the Lord was what? It was rare. How often do you find that that's what you feel like today is too? You're like, man, God doesn't really speak. That's not true. In fact, the truth is why it was rare back then was because you got to do some study. You got to realize they were in the time of the judges. They were in the time of rebellion. Israel wanted nothing to really do with God. They only repented when things weren't working out for them. They didn't really care if things were working out for them. And so because they were in that type of mindset, they weren't focused on God's house, led to number two. They weren't attentive to God's words. It was rare because they weren't listening. But when you are attentive, that's when you'll hear God's word. That's when you'll start to hear God's heart and the voice that he is speaking. Because God is not silent, church. He's not. He is speaking even today to you and to I, to me. Are we listening? Or have we turned that dial off and been like, ah, I don't like that. I, I don't want to deal with that. It's too vague for me. It's too unknown for me. Well, then you have a real problem with God because God is very unknown to mankind. But this is the way God chooses to approach us. The Holy Spirit who dwells within us desires to speak to us. But see, we got to follow in Samuel's footsteps. Samuel was attentive to God's business which made him attentive to God's voice. And so don't lose out when God was calling out to Samuel, even though he hadn't heard of, 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 of any word from God up until that point. He did the work. He was faithful on his end. And then he heard God's voice. Samuel, Samuel. And he brings this amazing prophetical word to Samuel. So number two, be attentive to God's words. Be attentive, open your ears, start paying attention and listening during your prayer time. If you're like, Pastor Ruben, I don't really know what that looks like and I need to have a lot more conversation about that, let's do that. Reach out, let's have a conversation. Text me, yo, when you want to chat about this, I'll let you know and then we can chat. Because I get it, it's new, it's not necessarily comfortable, but guess what? Just because it's not comfortable doesn't mean that it's not good. And so I'm going to encourage you, pay attention to what God is doing and what God is saying. Number three, be praying and prayed over. You know, I know we didn't get to this part just because of, you know, time. 
But you guys need to go read about Samuel's mom. You, you, man, Samuel's mama was one kind, like she is such a blessing. Hannah's story is a story of a woman who was so devoted to prayer and dedicating her child to God. For a second, those of you who are parents, you know, listen in. We need to start praying for our kids the way Hannah prays for Samuel. Even pre, before she even got the promise of Samuel. We need to be praying for our kids. Protecting them with prayer. Blessing them, speaking words of life over them. Raising them up in God's house. Church, we need to be focused on praying for each other. Oh, but Pastor Ruben, what if I, you know, what if my parents are not Christian? What if I don't have my parents anymore? Okay, fine. Go to a mentor. Go to your church. Start praying for each other. Bless each other. Speak life over each other. This is so important for all of you future parents too. All of you in the room too. Learn to start praying over your children. That's what I did with my sweetheart Arabella. That the moment we realized I had a baby, I'm like, I would go and Dora, my wife, would be so weirded out. She'd be like, babe, why is your hand on me two in the morning? I'm like, sweetheart, I'm praying over our baby. She was so weirded out. She didn't want me to do it. I'm like, it's okay. It's for our child. Realize that when we pray, our eyes don't see what's going on. But in the spiritual realm, the battle is being won because God is on our side. And we need to realize that we have to be prayer warriors. Zoe groups, let us never get to the point where our conversations take over our prayer time. It's good. We just started it. It's prayer groups and when it's going well. But always keep that in mind. Focus got to be, we got to pray. We got to continue to seek God out. We, can't, we have to go to the Holy Spirit and ask him to intercede and to minister for us. Because guess what? We can't do life and win at life and, and even just endure to the end without God supporting us. Be praying and be prayed over. Huge. We think Samuel didn't have that. That was the reason why Samuel was where exactly was. Well, one of the main reasons. So don't miss that. Number four, learn from those whom you look up to. You know, Samuel had a good mentor. He also had some bad ones, by the way. Eli's sons, most likely a little bit older than him, they were bad examples. Bad examples who were also around. And so Samuel could have easily ended up like Eli's sons. In fact, you ever, put, you ever been to those parties where tons of cousins get together? Usually the, the bad ones influence all the rest, right? You ever been to those? It's just like one kid starts yelling and going crazy. Everybody else is going crazy. Kids parties, man. Anyhow, sorry. Get back to the topic. I bet you that part of their example could have easily gotten onto Samuel. Yo, Samuel, don't do priestly stuff like that. Yo, Samuel, just kind of, you know, let, let things slide. Yo, Samuel, when were, specifically when it came to offering and, and sacrifices and stuff, they were cheating the people and like uh, 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 twisting what God had, you know, asked for when it came to people who would offer their sacrifices to God as like atonement and as, as a way to approach God. They were screwing with that. Samuel could have easily fallen out, but he didn't. He didn't. Samuel knew, he was like, Eli is my mentor. Eli is a good prophet. He is a good man of God. I'm going to follow Eli. I'm going to learn from Eli. 
Learn from those whom you look up to. Whoever in your life is a spiritual mentor to you, is someone whom you look up to, is someone, I'm not talking about age, by the way. I'm talking about spirituality. I'm talking about someone who, who, who you know will not only care for your soul, but will continue to lead you more to Jesus. Some of you have friends who are really good at this. Some of you have actual mentors who are really good at this, who you need in your life. Learn from those who you look up to. Because that's a part of what led to Samuel leading the life that he led and becoming the great prophet that he was. Lastly, and not least, and also this is not an exhaustive list, this is just my five things that I noticed, by the way. Lastly, he, he, the one thing that I noticed, you got to be bold and courageous. Because I can be honest, obedience is not easy. Whoever says that, it ain't true. You know, often what God will ask of us, what he will challenge us with, uh, is not something comfortable. Usually not something easy to do. How many of y'all can, can attest to that and be like, yep, that's what I, yeah, I experienced that. Samuel, for example, was told about the judgment that was coming on his mentor's whole family. On Eli's whole family because of what happened with his kids the judgment, the punishment that they were about to face, that is a hard topic to be one of the first things God talks to you about prophetically and then go share that with the guy that you look up to. Really hard. I don't care who you are, however you slice that, that's hard. And in fact, Samuel doesn't want to share it. I would love to say Samuel was bold, but he wasn't. He was scared. He was just like, I don't want to do that. How do, you, how do you want me to, you know, go ahead and say something like that? But here's the thing, he ended up doing it through the encouragement of Eli, which is again the importance of having good mentors. Because here's the thing, courage is not the absence of fear, it's the presence of faith. It's choosing to say, you know what, I'm going to trust in God even when in those times I still feel afraid. And he did exactly that. Not just here, in so many other moments throughout his life. So these are the five major things that I see Samuel either did or he had in his life that led him to being one of the greatest prophets that, were, that was favored throughout his entire life and blessed throughout his entire life by God. You know, as disciples of Jesus today, what would it look like if we started to do these things in our life? What would it look like with the power of the Holy Spirit to start positioning ourselves in God's house? Start being a, a learner, a student, a disciple, someone who's faithful, someone who's just like, I am two hands ready to serve however God desires. What would it look like to start being more attentive to God's words? We did a whole series on this, how Jesus speaks to us. Scripture says that his sheep hear his voice. That he desires and longs for us to have this relationship with him. What would it look like to be more attentive? To start pressing in rather than running away. To stop the guesswork of what we think God is saying and press in to know this is what God has been convicting me of. This is clear. 
What would it look like to be praying? I just bless me, bless me, bless me, but being more intentional about the way we pray for each other, for our family, for our church, in support, in encouragement. And then to be prayed over, to have people in our life that we in fact go to and be like, pray over me. I want you to continue to pray over me. I'm going to give you one amazing secret right here. Some of y'all have amazing grandmas, and I know some of y'all have amazing grandmas who love Jesus. One of the greatest ministries you can actually bless them with is asking them to pray for you. You know that? But like, can you please be someone who continuously prays for me? It's not only a ministry for them, but it's you saying, I am going to have this in my life. I am going to ask a few select people to be praying for me to be praying over me because I realize the true battle that is won in our life is in the spiritual realm when we pray. For learning, what would it look like to learn from our mentors, to, to, to put them in those positions, to maybe have a mentor for the first time, to have someone that we look up to, someone who can actually spiritually guide us. Maybe some of, them have, some of us have those people where we just, we don't give them the authority in our lives to speak to us. It's kind of like they're just mentor for show or for name. What would it look like for you to actually challenge yourself and be like, hey, listen, you know, for the, especially for those of you who are in D3s, to go to the one who's leading your D3 and be like, hey, listen, um, I just want to let you know, I'm going to give you the permission in my life to speak to me candidly because I'm trusting that God is going to use you when you speak to me. You just gave that person authority and responsibility. And now they have this opening to be able to just speak clearly and allow God to speak through you. Some of us, we don't like that. We don't like to hear certain things. We just want to, you know, close off. But if you want to live in God's favor, this is what it looks like, church. And then lastly, being bold and courageous. Being bold in those times when God's asking something of you. When God is prompting you to go speak to that person, to pray for that person. When God is prompting you to go and give that to that person, to go encourage this person with something, whatever it may be, is not going to be comfortable for the most part. Last part is being courageous, being bold, and putting your trust in, in, in God, your faith in God. Want to live in God's favor? Position yourself in God's house. Be attentive to his voice. Be praying and prayed over, learning from those you look up to, being bold and courageous in what you do. Church, I believe God wants to raise up a generation who lives this way, who are like prophets today, like Samuel was, in a world that needs to hear his good news, in a world that needs the gospel, in a world that needs to know who Jesus truly is. Church, my encouragement and blessing for you today is that you would take this and passion would burn within you to challenge yourself to be better and to desire to live in God's favor. Taking one person's example, Samuel. Father God, thank you so much for your love and favor. God, we don't deserve your favor and blessings, to be honest. But Jesus, you give it to us. You desire to bless us and to favor us. You desire for us to hear your voice. 
You desire for us to see your hands and where you are working in this world. And yet so often, Jesus, whether it's time or work or distraction or whatever it may be, Lord Jesus, we, like sheep, sometimes get super distracted and wander off. Father God, my prayer today is you would call us back to yourself. That you would show us what it looks like to live in your favor. To live positioned in the house of the Lord. Hearing your voice. Being bold and courageous, constantly in prayer. And then looking up to those people that you've put in our life. Jesus, my blessing over every single ear, every single heart that truly desires to live in this honorable way. God, would you empower them to do so? Would you put seeds? of passion and desire within their life right now for this. That this would not just be a quick high, but instead, Lord Jesus, this would fall on good soil. Jesus, I am so grateful for you and so grateful for your love. And so grateful for your blessings and your favor. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would never take that for granted. That we would never take that for granted. That we are beings who have eternal life because of you. Jesus, may we never take that for granted. And so, Father, help us. Lead us, guide us in the same way you did with the prophet Samuel as a young boy. In your holy and precious name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, so today was, the, by the way, the last day uh, for getting in all of your baby food and baby diapers for our drive. So hopefully sometime this week. If Dora doesn't go into labor, we'll be able to go and drop this all off at the Scott Mission. Uh, but don't worry, never fear. We're going to continue this. We're just going to go drop this off now and then just restart, you know, again, accumulating more baby food and more baby diapers for those families who are really struggling financially, who can't even afford diapers and baby food for their kids. So um, if you're like, hey, I bought some stuff, but I didn't bring it in, that's okay. Uh, maybe you can message me. Maybe it's still time to bring it in. Um, but if you're like, you know what, I'll just keep it for the next, you know, session where we take it down again. Keep it, and um, yeah, we'll, we'll take it in there. Church, have a great week. Love you guys, and we'll see you next Sunday. Peace.